Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to Catechesis. In this 27th lesson, we will be considering Baptist Catechism number 31. The question is, wherein consisteth Christ's exaltation? In, in other words, uh, what did Christ's exaltation involve? And the answer given is that Christ's exaltation consisteth in his rising again from the dead on the third day, in ascending up into heaven, in sitting at the right hand of God the Father, and in coming to judge the world at the last day. I have my catechism open in front of me. Perhaps it would be a good thing for you to do as well. I think it is important for us to keep our minds focused upon the structure of the catechism and to not lose sight of that. Uh, the first question of the catechism was, who is the first and chiefest of being? And we were rightly instructed that God is the first and chiefest being, that everyone ought to believe in him. And question two uh, then we dealt with the issue of revelation in questions 3, 4, 5, and 6, uh, first general revelation, then special revelation. So our doctrine of Scripture was laid out here. Then we were taught about who God is. Uh, the doctrine of God was addressed. And then uh, the doctrine of man and the doctrine of sin. And then we were finally introduced to our Redeemer, Christ Jesus, our Lord. We heard that wonderful news uh, that... God did not leave a man to perish in this state of sin and misery, but provided a Redeemer for us. And at first, we were introduced to the Redeemer in terms of his person. Um, the question being, really, who is this Christ? Um, what is he? Uh, but after that, we transitioned into some talk about the work of Christ, um, the work of Christ, the, the work that he accomplished on our behalf became the focus. And so, for a time, we have been uh, really there uh, considering that topic. And we've been considering that topic primarily in terms of uh, the threefold offices of Christ. He is our prophet, priest, and our king. Uh, this is what we learned in question number 26. And we were also told that he is our prophet, priest, and king, both in his state of humiliation and exaltation. So first he was humbled, first he was brought low for us, uh, he was born into this world in a low condition, he suffered and he died that horrible death on the cross, and he was finally placed into the grave. But from there he rose again. That is what we are considering today. And I give you this over overview uh, in order in part to, to say that uh, this topic, this consideration of the work of Christ, is here coming to a conclusion. And beginning with question 32, we will be considering the application of the work of Christ. So a distinction needs to be made between these two things. First, um, the work of Christ and the accomplishment of our redemption. Uh, there we considered what Christ did as prophet, priest, and king in his state of humiliation and exaltation. We are considering the accomplishment of a redemption. We have been. But now, beginning with question 32, we will begin to consider the application of the redemption purchased by Christ. The question will be, how is it that we come to benefit from what Christ did for us in his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection? We live 2,000 years after the birth of Christ, more than that. So how do we benefit? How do we come to partake of uh, the benefits 
of the redemption that Christ purchased on our behalf. In fact, that will be question 32. How are we made partakers of the redemption purchased by Christ? And and we will be taught that it is through the effectual application of it to us by his Holy Spirit. And that will introduce a whole new section of the Catechism. So I'm getting a bit ahead of myself here, but I, I want you to, to see the, the structure of the Catechism and to keep it ever in mind as we progress through it. Uh, so let's return now and, and give attention to this uh, 31st question. Again, wherein consisteth Christ's exaltation? Christ's exaltation consisteth in his rising again from the dead on the third day, in ascending up into heaven, in sitting at the right hand of God the Father, and in coming to judge the world at the last day. So not only is he our humble uh, prophet, priest, and king, but he is our victorious and highly exalted prophet, priest, and king. Uh, first of all, we must remember that Christ did rise again from the dead on the third day. That is what 1 Corinthians 15.4 says. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That little phrase, in accordance with the scriptures, is Paul telling us that the scriptures, that is to say the Old Testament scriptures, did predict these things, and Christ fulfilled the prophecies contained within the Old Testament. We are also told in our catechism, that he ascended up into heaven. And that is what Acts chapter 1 describes. Uh, There the angels spoke to the apostles of Christ, saying, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven, a reference to the the return of Christ. Uh, But here in Acts 1, the ascension of Christ is described to us. So this is Christ being exalted to the right hand of the Father. And in Mark 16, 19, we find a specific reference to this, the the session of Christ, as it is called. Uh, So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Uh, So here Christ um, was seated and, and from there, Christ rules and reigns even now. He has been exalted uh, to the highest place. Uh, he has all rule and authority and dominion given uh, to him. And then in Acts 17.31, we have a mention of the time where Christ will return to judge the world at the last day. Uh, There we read, he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So here is a reference to God giving Christ this authority to judge the world in righteousness at the end of time by virtue of the work that he has finished. And so again, this brings this section of our catechism dealing with the work of Christ to a conclusion. He was humbled, he was brought low, but he has been exalted. He has ascended to the right hand of God the Father. I think we should remember that Christ, as prophet, priest, and king, both in his humiliation and exaltation, meets all of our needs Uh, That is a point of application that we can make, that Christ meets all of our needs. And I've read it before, but I'd like to put it before you again. London Baptist Confession, chapter 8, paragraph 10, 
It speaks of the threefold offices of Christ in this way. This number and order of offices is necessary, for in respect of our ignorance, we stand in need of his prophetical office, and in respect of our alienation from God and imperfection of the best of our services, we need his priestly office to reconcile us and present us acceptable unto God. And in respect to our averseness and utter inability to return to God, and for our rescue and security from our spiritual adversaries, we need his kingly office to convince, subdue, draw, uphold, deliver, and preserve us to his heavenly kingdom. I think that's a very beautiful statement. It's filled with truth. It's also very practical. It helps us to understand why this doctrine concerning the threefold offices of Christ matters. Um, Christ did what we needed him to do in these offices. He provided for our needs um, in, in a way that corresponds to each of, of, of these offices that he fulfilled. It's really a wonderful thought. I think another point of application is this, as we consider Christ's humiliation in particular. Christ can identify, Christ can identify with our weaknesses given his humiliation. And this is what the writer to the Hebrews spoke of in 4.15 when he said, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So the writer to the Hebrews wants us to remember that Christ was truly human. He knew what it was to suffer in the flesh. He did not sin as we do, but he was tempted as we are. He can sympathize with our weaknesses. I think this is a very powerful truth. We are to come to God the Father through Christ, the mediator, and as we come through him and in his name, we know that he is able to sympathize with us and he will faithfully intercede on our behalf. And then thirdly, Christ has the power to meet all our needs given his exaltation. This is a wonderful point of application as well as we consider Christ's exaltation. Um, we are to remember his power. We are to remember that he is not only able to sympathize with our weaknesses, but he is able to provide for our every need given his power. And this is what Paul speaks of in Romans 8.37, saying, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In Christ we have the victory. In Christ we have been set free. In Christ we have this wonderful advocate uh, before the Father, this wonderful mediator uh, between God and man. And we can trust in him, for he has had all power and authority given to him. Again, we have been considering the accomplishment of our redemption as we have looked upon the threefold office of Christ. We were there considering what it is that he did for us in his life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And we are about to begin to consider how it is that this redemption, the salvation that has been earned by Christ, is applied to us today. It's applied to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's received through faith. Um, and we're about to talk about all of those wonderful truths, beginning with question 32 of the Catechism. I very much look forward to that, brothers and sisters, and until next time, abide in Christ. <laughs>